Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. You know our trusted partner TireRack.com for their fast, free shipping free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Yokohama Avid Ascend LX. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What is going on, everybody? I'm your host, John Middlecop. This is the 3 and Out Podcast. It is midnight Eastern, 9 o'clock my time, and I just finished taking in, watching, I even had to pour myself a cocktail because the game was terrible. Thursday Night Football was in uh, just in, in mid-season form, awful game. But I have some takes. We'll talk about it off the top. Now, if you did take the Buccaneers plus seven and the under uh, 49, you're feeling pretty good. And if you follow me on Instagram, I told you to do it. So, again, you can follow me on Instagram at John Middlecoff. I do the Middlecoff mailbag. That's how we end every podcast. And I'll I'll dive into Cam Newton, who was a train wreck. We'll talk about Bill uh, Belichick and Antonio Brown. We'll talk about Lamar Jackson and just context with the NFL. And I think too often we, we jump the gun on everything. And it's I, I do it too. I, I'm just as guilty as anyone. Chip Kelly and, and the dumpster fire that is his coaching career. Then we'll hit just kind of the games on Sunday. Just Maybe we'll just do this every, every week. I'll just write down all the games. And right now these first couple weeks and the last couple weeks, because every team's playing, once the buys hit, it'll be less games. And I'll just spend a minute or two on my first reaction and first thought. Uh, given the point spread and the number one thing I'm looking for. And then, like I said, Middlecoff mailbag at the end, at John Middlecoff, slide into my DMs wide open. And we uh, we interact with the people on the show. But I, I guess my overall takeaway from this game is you can get by, I think, in pro sports 
Uh, and maybe it's like this in any business, but it's it's easier in pro sports just because your physical talents. Like I would imagine in most businesses, you all you get better as you're in an industry. Like you don't come in just quote unquote the most talented guy at 25. Maybe in these last 10 years with technology, you have like a leg up. The entire you know company or maybe your small business depends on you because. You have the ability. You, you, we all know, like, whenever you work in an office, the the power of the IT guy, he kind of owns you because you need him. Like, you, you just have no clue when whatever you do, the system goes out, so you're dependent on him. Well, in pro sports, especially in small markets, when they get a special player, they're kind of at his, you know, at the power of him. Like, he, he can do whatever he wants, and... I know Forever Collins talked about this with OKC, with with Russell Westbrook, but haven't seen the way Kevin Durant acts. Now, Kevin Durant is an elite player, uh, but his act kind of wears you out, and I think he kind of fell victim to that in OKC. Now, when he was with the Warriors, again, I'm not comparing him to Russell Westbrook or even Cam Newton, who I'm going to dive into here in a second, because he is an elite player. But I think Cam Newton, who has been one of the all-time roller coaster rides we've ever seen, because... No one, even in the league, would dispute. And I definitely won't either. When he's on, his good is as good as anyone. But here's the flip side. His bad is as shitty as anybody. Like, his bad will lose you every week. And his bad, as we witnessed tonight, I don't even have his box score up. I mean, at one point in time, he was 19 of 40. And whatever his box score, the final numbers say, it does not do how terrible he was justice. Now, his offensive line's not great, but his consistent inaccuracy is eye-opening. I mean, he is throwing balls to wide-open guys when he does have some time in the pocket that is not even close. I mean, he's skipping balls, he's airmailing balls, but the reality is my, my first or second year in the league was his rookie year, and I vividly remember watching him in preseason tape and seeing these balls just fly. He'd have a guy wide open in the middle of the field and the ball was, you know, Shaquille O'Neal in his prime wouldn't have caught it. Like, you can't play quarterback, even if you do have a big arm, even if you're an electric runner, if you are not accurate. It's literally a must-have in the NFL. Like, you can still be a good player. You can still have good games. Hell, you can even have a good season if you're inaccurate. You cannot have a consistent career, though. And Cam's career is now marked and defined by inconsistency. And the reality is, and I tweeted this earlier, I think he's kind of the Carmelo Anthony of the NFL. He's one of the most overhyped players in NFL history, mainly because he was a champion in college, a very, very hyped player, went number one overall, and then came into the NFL. And unlike and unlike Carmelo, he's actually more accomplished. He led a team to the Super Bowl. I attended it. I just happened to bet. I think if memory serves me correctly, one of the biggest bets I've ever made on a single game. It was about $2,000. I've also never won more money because I bet it on the Broncos. And my main mindset was betting on the Broncos was I was betting against Cam. And having watched that Denver defense live several times, I think that year they had played the Niners and I, I was doing Raiders pre and post game, so I'd seen them live for like two or three straight years. No chance he was beating them. Now, I didn't feel Peyton Manning, remember back then, couldn't throw either. And then having been, like, working in the media, being around uh, just all the hoopla and the circus that is the Super Bowl, I could tell the Panthers weren't really that locked in. 
And again, I, I just didn't trust Cam in a big game. And what happened? He, he was terrible. He was god-awful. And mainly because in the biggest games, when the defense gets the most intense and you have to be pinpoint accurate and you have to be you have to be in full control of the balls that are leaving your hand, that's never been him. Now, he's had stretches where he's on, but to me tonight is more indicative of his career. Maybe tonight's more extreme, but tonight's closer to being what Cam Newton is than his MVP year. Like his MVP year, when we really dive back in and we pull up all of his game logs his entire career, is an outlier. It really is. And listen, I've crushed Jameis before. I actually thought Jameis was decent, especially in the second half. But both those two guys, they have they have a fundamental flaw that kills their high end ability, and it's inaccuracy. It'd be like a it'd be like a golfer that can't putt, or a a pitcher that can't throw strikes when he has to. You know, a shooter that can't hit three pointers. Like it's just something so fundamental. At that position, a wide receiver that can't catch, an accountant that can't count numbers, you know, I, I don't even know, a sales guy that can't sell. It's just, when you have a quarterback that can't consistently complete balls, especially tonight, like I, people were DMing me and I, I DM back like their wide receivers suck. And then I thought, do their wide receivers suck? DJ Moore is actually pretty good. Samuel, the kid from Ohio State, is not bad. Maybe it's just Greg Olson at 50 years old still making plays. Maybe just Cam sucks. And part of it's his body's giving out on him. Maybe his shoulder's never going to be right again. But he's just not good enough. And and I say this all the time. In the NBA, we hype players. In the NFL and in college football, we hype coaches. I do think Cam Newton is a little bit like an NBA player where he's been hyped up to a level that he's never played at beside the one season. Now, you win an MVP in the NFL... That's pretty big time. And I'll never take that year away from him. He made it to the Super Bowl. That's an incredible accomplishment. And he clearly was a super heralded college player. Just you know, He went to Florida originally to take over for Tebow. There might have been a stolen laptop. If you forget that story, Google it. Kicked out, goes to JC, goes to Auburn. Was actually supposed to go to Mississippi State until that direct deposit went through and Cecil Newton built the church. And again, I'm pro-pan players in college, so I'm not getting on my moral high horse here. But... He was a great college player, dominant college player, a physical freak who just not a great thrower of the football. It doesn't mean he doesn't have great arm strength or doesn't mean he can't complete passes, but he's very inaccurate. And tonight, uh, I, I see this this stat right now on NFL Network, eight straight losses with Cam Newton as the starter. Like, I, I got news for you, and I feel pretty confident about saying this. Cam Newton's not going to be the quarterback next year for the Carolina Panthers. Zero chance. None. I don't even need to Google his contract. He is not going to be on the Carolina Panthers. My question is, how many NFL teams are going to want him? Like, he's pretty well established now. He's not a fixable player. Like, at least if Jameis gets cut at the end of the season and someone hires, like, he'll be a backup. To me, Cam is one of the league's superstars because of the hype machine. Who's he starting for in 2020? Because it's not going to be the Panthers. And more than likely, I'm a big Ron Rivera guy. Ron Rivera probably won't be there. I mean, David Tepper, the guy that paid $2 billion in cash, uh, I think Randy Moss once famously said, "Cash, straight cash, homie. That's how he paid for it, straight cash, homie. Kind of like uh, our guy Steve Ballmer down with the LA Clippers, straight cash. These guys have stupid cash. And if you pay $2 billion cash for a team, you, you ain't going to watch Cam Newton long, I'll promise you that. Because I know if I was in this position and I had paid $2 billion in cash, 
Cam Newton would be adios, bye-bye, see you later. And that's clearly where it's trending now. I mean, I would imagine they'll roll with Cam for a while. Like, I'd be a little shocked if he gets benched this year. But, I mean, if they're 0-5, 0-6, and they keep losing, or 2-8, he's not guaranteed anything. This is the National Football League. No one's guaranteed it. I mean, Peyton Manning got benched his last year that they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Remember that? Now, they claimed it was an injury, but we all know the truth. It was a, he got benched. And this is a bottom-line league, and this guy's not getting it done. And the reality is he's not only not getting it done, Cam Newton's now a liability. And I'll say this, even when Cam Newton struggled earlier in his career, I wouldn't call him a liability. Uh, he's now, you know, as, as Tommy Lasorda once famously said about Bavacqua, that he'd send the bleeping limousine. I don't know if you're sending a limousine to make sure Cam's at the game, but I don't think you're looking over at the sideline during warm-ups that scared when Cam Newton's on the other sideline. And that definitely couldn't have been a said three or four years ago, but it, I know we got fans of every team in the league that listen to this podcast. If it's your team and you're playing Cam Newton, I don't know if you're exactly licking your chops, but you're sure as hell not sweating like you're playing Brady or Rodgers or Breeze or Mahomes. I'll promise you that. So the Cam Newton experience is headed down the home stretch right now, and it is ugly. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older, and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco-alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. 
So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, let's get to Belichick and Antonio Brown. And let me preface this by saying I'm exhausted with Antonio Brown. I mean, when when you live in the Bay Area and the feet stuff just hits you over the head every day and then it's also on hard knocks it's also then the number one story in the NFL he is just an exhausting human being I mean Terrell Owens thinks that Antonio Brown's a diva it's like holy hell can you just stay out of the news for one one day let alone a week let alone a month and the answer is no and the new information that came out this week I'm going to preface this by saying I, I say the same thing with every single one of these accusations if the guy did it, either hitting a woman or raping a woman or whatever, you should go to jail. It's in in Middlecoff's judicial system, it's black and white. You go to jail. But I also say this on the other side. When you make it up, as in like what happened to Reuben Foster, she should go to jail. It's it's very black and white for me. Now, like most people, most of these situations happen in a one-on-one setting. So, I don't know, you don't know, the, only those two know. So, I can't even begin to have a take on if he did it, if he should be employed. I mean, one, there are zero criminal charges. This is a civil lawsuit. And again, like I said, if he did it, he should go to jail. If she's making it up, she should go to jail. I, I, my stance on this stuff will never change. They're also in the story that came out that Belichick, rap sheet tweeted the Patriots had no clue. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Mainly because I watched Drew Rosenhaus the other day talk about how he knew this was coming. And Drew Rosenhaus and Belichick are very close. They've done a lot of deals together. They clearly work pretty well together. I don't believe there's any chance on God's green earth that Drew Rosenhaus, if he knew this was coming, and he was talking with Belichick doing a deal, would not tell him this was coming. I, I don't believe that for a second. No chance Belichick's getting blindsided on this. I, I just I, I won't believe that until someone credible tells me otherwise. And I'm not saying that Rap Sheet's not credible, but let's call it what it is. The Patriots wanted out there that they didn't know because they mainly because Pro sports, I got news for you. 
teams think fans are idiots, and they can push narratives and make you believe them. I'm just not believing this one. It's pretty clear that Belichick would have known if Rosenhaus would have known. And they knew it was coming, and they vehemently deny it, and I got no clue how this is going to play out. Uh, I also know that Schefter tweeted that she's getting married this week, so she'll meet with the NFL next week, which is a little bizarre to me, but, you know, who am I to judge? I guess we're not all, you know, similar. It's just, again, like a little, I'm red flagging the situation a little bit, and I'm not defending Antonio Brown by any means because he's the craziest, one of the dumbest players going in the league. I mean, again, I'm exhausted with Antonio Brown, but he's now on the best team in the league. And I think, like most people, like, why would the Patriots even get him? Well, you know, I, I just think the rich always try to get richer. Just the way the league works, that's the way society works. Like, why Jeff Bezos buy Whole Foods? I don't know. He wants to corner the market in every industry. He wants to own the world. I mean, that's really why. People are like, God, he paid $10 billion for Whole Foods. Well, the next day the stock went up and he actually made $2 billion. Why? Belichick, why would you get Antonio Brown? Your team's loaded. You're going to go 14-2. and Yeah, I can go 15-1. and I can make this even easier. I can be even better. And you know what? He was available for nothing. I had to give zero compensation. The only thing I had to give was $9 million. And I saw multiple people tweet out the details on the contract. He's actually not even tied to him if Antonio Brown screws up. He can get out for way less money, the way they've structured the bonuses. So it's really not that crazy of an investment. And two, when you dive into their wide receiver room, Julian Edelman, older player who has a torn ACL and also had an injured thumb this preseason. Like, what if he injures his thumb again? He's by far their best wide receiver now that Gronk's retired and just screwing around. You're depending on Nikhil Harry, who's on injured reserve, and he was a first-round pick. Jacoby Myers, their first-round pick, or excuse me, their, their other wide receiver, who's an undrafted free agent. They are depending on a rookie undrafted free agent, which by all accounts has been a really good player. But still, that's, that's a lot to depend on an undrafted free agent. And then your tight end situation, major question mark. Now, they do have a good group of running backs, the two Alabama guys and, and James White. But still, Belichick's going, God, I mean, we kicked the Steelers' ass, which we always do. I might as well just be a part owner of the Steelers. But our receiver depth is somewhat of a question mark. Now, if Gronk was still on the team in his prime, would they have got Antonio Brown? Probably not. They wouldn't have needed him. But when you really kind of dive in deep to their group, it's not quite as stacked as you think as a unit. So I, I do understand from a football perspective why they do it. And here's the other thing. How many times do we need to learn in society, in football, that the most talented people get, you know, what do they say, a cat has nine lives? That's like, that's just the reality for the most talented people in any industry. Not the case for me, probably for you either listening, but for people like Antonio Brown, for people in any business that are the top of their field. I mean, the the absolute top. Because if Antonio Brown had been like a fringe pro bowler, like, uh, I don't know, like Chris Godwin. I'm just, I got Panthers Buccaneers on in the background. I think his first name's Chris. Uh, Devin Funchess. I, I don't know. You just named just random wide receivers. He's out of the league. Like, if he just pulled what just happened in Oakland and they had cut him, no one's signing him. No one's even contemplating signing him. Now, you could argue it would never have been as big of a story because no one would have given a shit, right? Part of the reason it became such a big story is because he's, you know, probably a top five or 10 player non quarterback in the NFL. And I think at the end of the day, Belichick takes a step back. Like I have the chance to get a top five or ten non-quarterback in the NFL on my team, who I also have the unique experience of playing because we've played what feels like the Steelers once to twice a year for the last ten plus years since he's been in the league. 
So no one would have scouted him more consistently beside the teams in the AFC North than Belichick. He's seen this guy countless times. So he knows how good he is. I mean, we all do, but he really does because he schemed against him every year since he's been in the league. Every single year because they play each other all the freaking time. So I wouldn't have done it. I would imagine most people listening probably wouldn't have done it. But I do understand why Belichick did it. Anyone that in business will tell you you're either growing or you're dying, right? Football, the saying is, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. No one stays the same. And I think Belichick just looked at it as a way to get better. Now, if he becomes such a big pain in the ass, I, I think they'll easily get rid of him. And the money to them is nothing. They'll cut him and they'll move on. They, they don't. The other thing about the Patriots, they don't mess around with sunk costs that long. The moment they think you're dead weight, they just move on. Regardless, financially, it doesn't affect them. Unlike most teams that like hold on to a first-round pick forever or like a year longer with the free agent signing, they just say, peace, see ya, Godspeed. They don't even think Belichick says that. He just says, you're cut. Clean out your locker. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> you know, we're off. But yeah, Belichick's not treating Antonio Brown any differently when it comes to that stuff. Like, he's not getting... He might get nine lives in the NFL because the Patriots cut him, then maybe the Redskins would sign him, or maybe Seattle would sign him. But he's getting one life with, with Belichick. And that's, you either shape in or you shape out. Now, if this civil case gets crazier, new information comes out, I bet they'll get rid of him. Like, I, I don't think it's really that complicated. Now, you could also argue, we've seen some crazy things happen with them. They did have a double murder on their team. And they waited for a second until they knew that he was probably guilty, and then they got rid of him. So I, I don't, I, but I never viewed the Patriots as like the moral compass for the NFL or society. They, they don't even pretend to be. Belichick has one job. I mean, literally one job. That what a defining statement for the New England Patriots is do your job. His number one job, just like any coach in the NFL, is to win. It's not to do the right thing or acquire the right players. That's why where I live, once upon a time, Jed York made a comment about winning with class and it was it was the uh it was laughed at. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's kind of I mean it's seven, eight years ago, so we don't even talk about it anymore. But for three or four years, he got constantly just destroyed for that comment. Because it's BS. It's fake. You don't even need to say it. It's a fraudulent comment. No one expects you to win with class. The only thing your fans, for the most part, really expect you to do is win. And a lot of people on Twitter and the PC culture were like, we expect more. No, you really don't. Because every time a team wins, regardless if they have good or bad guys on their team, people applaud it. That's just, that's a fact. That's not an opinion. It happens, it, it literally happens every single time. Now, when you lose and you got quote-unquote turds on your team, yeah, that, that gets ugly. And it, hell, it did, for, it did for Jed York with the 49ers once Harbaugh left. It became a problem. But when you got questionable guys, and I saw it with the Harbaugh teams, he had Chris Culliver chase a biker down the street with brass knuckles. Bruce Miller beat up an old guy. I mean, Ray McDonald, yeah, did some beat up a chick. I mean, it was it was out of control. But they were kicking the crap out of everyone, and uh, the fans around here were like, "Go Harbaugh, go Niners!" I mean, the Patriot fans have been supporting their guys forever. Why? Because they've won six Lombardis. They've been to nine Super Bowls. They've been to however eight straight AFC championships. The irony is it feels like they've been to 30 straight AFC championship games. It feels like I have not watched an AFC championship game in the modern internet era without them. That's that's how it feels. I know that's not a reality. They've missed it a couple times. But if you just, just think about it, like how many times have the Patriots been in the AFC championship game since 2001? You'd probably say like 16. I don't even know what the number is. It's got to be like 13 or 14. It's a high number. 
And that's all their fans care about. And that's why, because that's what most NFL fans care about. You win with good players, even if they're bad guys, you get credit. And that's what I think Belichick learned. Like, it's why when he goes to these press conferences, he doesn't answer any of your questions. Because he knows, one, it just creates headlines. And two, none of it matters. So as long as he doesn't say anything and he keeps winning, you're not going to be able to do anything to him. Okay, if you've listened to me for a while or followed me on social media, I think you know where I stand on Lamar Jackson. I, I was never a big fan. I would not have drafted him in the first round. I would not have built my team around him. And after they played Miami, who I think it's pretty clear is a triple-A AAA or double-A team. I mean, it's not an NFL squad. But I'm not going to diminish Lamar's game. It was fantastic. He was awesome. But one thing I learned when I was in the NFL, and I think this relates to everything in life, is use context when evaluating everything. Like, is Kylie Jenner the first female billionaire randomly? Like, just through hard work? And just, you know, she's been cutting her teeth for 30 years building this makeup line? Or was she born into a family that was just on a rocket ship when she was, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, and she's used social media and her platform and created billions of, you know, she's going to be a billionaire. That's that's impressive. Like, is LeBron James a great businessman? After he got denied for Taco Tuesday, you probably say, no, no. He's a really famous basketball player who's able to parlay that into a lot of business ventures, which I give him credit for. Like, him and Rich Paul create the agency. But the reason all that is possible is because of his basketball brand. If he was not a big basketball brand, he couldn't do anything in the business world. No one would care. Maybe he could. It would just take a lot longer. Like he's not a he's a billionaire or will be soon because of basketball. Lamar Jackson you know had I think it was 17 to 20 in the first half, had like four or five touchdowns, was unreal. I went back and I watched some of the game. Like do I am I supposed to anoint you? And I get cuz I actually heard Greg Cosell today on with Colin and it made me thinking. He's like, you know, people are so quick to overreact. Like last year, all the NBA Twitter. James Harden is the best offensive player ever, man. He's better than Michael Jordan. No, he's not. In no world is James Harden a better player than Michael Jordan. When the games matter, always in the playoffs, he looks like a shell of himself. So in the regular season, when games mean nothing in January against Sacramento and he scores 60, whippy, great. Like, I'm sorry, he's not a better player than Michael Jordan. Lamar Jackson, has he improved? For sure. But when you're hitting deep bombs and there's not a player within 20 yards of you, like I, I'm not going to just anoint you the next Joe Montana. When you throw a slant pass and you take it 60, and the wide receiver takes it 60 yards, did you really do that much? And again, I'm not trying to say I'm right on this. Lamar Jackson may be a lot better than I think he was ever going to be when he came out. I would bet right now I'm going to be probably wrong on Lamar Jackson. And I got news for you. And I say this all the time about players. When I find out, like if I don't like the player coming out of college and then I that guy's a bad guy in the NFL, like he's not a good human, I don't mind, you know, kind of standing on my soapbox and rooting against him. Just like I'm not going to root for turds, you know. But Lamar Jackson, and I, I view Josh Allen the same way. They were in the same draft. Who everything I've heard from people around him, people that know him, people that scouted him, his character is pristine. The guys like him. He's a really, really good guy. Same thing goes for Josh Allen. I'm rooting for both those players. Though, as I said, I wouldn't have touched either in the first round. I'm rooting for him. I hope he proves me wrong. Now, Josh Allen is still a roller coaster 
with accuracy. He's not a very accurate quarterback. Lamar Jackson, who looks like he's much improved, I was never one saying that he should play wide receiver, though everyone kind of shitting on Bill Polian. I got news for you. Bill Polian's got a jacket, and he has a bust in this thing called Canton, Ohio. Happens to be the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, yeah, maybe he was wrong about that one, but he's got a lot of things right. And I know progressive, booger-eating, 22-year-old Twitter that's living with their mom loves to act like he's an idiot. Check out his resume. It's actually pretty good. But Lamar Jackson, like, we, we overreacted over the first game. He's going to be the best fantasy quarterback ever. They played the Miami Dolphins. Again, you've got to put things in context. Played the Miami Dolphins. They couldn't cover me or you. Guys were wide open. He's hitting Marquise Brown on little slant routes. He's taking 70 yards. They couldn't have, the Miami Dolphins couldn't be any worse. They literally are tanking. Like, they, they claim they're not, but it's pretty clear they are. Now, if Lamar Jackson does half of what he did against the Dolphins, against the Steelers, against the Ravens, hell, against the Bengals, I will tip my hat. And I'll say, you know what? It's starting to look wrong. Even this week, they are playing the Arizona Cardinals. Vance Joseph, I believe, is the worst defensive coordinator in the NFL. I do not think there is any defensive coordinator that I'd rather have less. I think he is terrible. There were a couple clips last week when the Arizona Cardinals played the Detroit Lions. Their first two touchdowns, not a dude within 10 yards of them. It was the guy caught the ball and walked in the end zone. It was a joke. So if Lamar does it again, we'll have double the reaction. Like, this guy is for real. And again, I'm not going to diminish what he's doing. I'm rooting for him. I hope he's good. But I'm not going to say I'm wrong or anoint him as this up-and-coming star until he does it against some teams that matter, against some teams that are actually well-coached, against some teams and players that actually know what they're doing. So I expect Lamar Jackson to kick the crap out of Vance Joseph. Because again, I truly believe to my core, I'm not just saying this, he's the worst defensive coordinator in the NFL in 2019. I think it'd be you'd be hard-pressed to find even a close second. And same thing with Josh Allen. Like, I actually was pretty impressed. Josh Allen's playing Greg Williams. Their defense still isn't great. He's not very accurate. Made some big plays down the stretch. I'm rooting for them both. And I I learned this in the preseason. I think it's why so many fans are always so shocked when guys get cut. Context is huge. If you run for 100 yards in the fourth quarter of a preseason game, no one in the NFL gives a damn. You're going up against a bunch of guys that are going to be selling insurance. A bunch of guys that their football careers are going to end September 1st when they get cut. You see all these guys that like lead the preseason in sacks, three or four sacks. They're going up against offensive tackles who will never, ever sniff a practice squad, let alone an NFL game. And they go, oh, we cut that guy. He had five sacks in the preseason. Yeah, no one gives a shit. Literally, no one in the NFL cares. Because the, the context of, well, the right tackle took one step and he couldn't even touch him. He was slower than molasses. So the guy ran right around him untouched. You see it a lot with running backs or wide receivers in the preseason. They are wide open. In the NFL, typically, unless there's a blown assignment, which even happens with good teams, for the most part, you have to complete as a quarterback contested ball, like balls in tight areas, right? Where the defensive back is relatively close. You, good quarterbacks, have to throw guys open. And I just... And we'll see if he can do that against good teams. I, I hope he can. Like, I'm not rooting against him. I, I promise you. Even Dak Prescott. I believe more in the Cowboys because I think they actually have talent and we have seen them play well down the stretch against good teams. Plus, as you know, if you've listened to the show, I like Kellen Moore. I think he's a really good coach. 
But if you go back and watch the Cowboys against the Giants, he did hit some wide open guys. And I'm not saying like two or three yards. I'm talking like six or seven yard radiuses. So if this offense is super explosive, let's see it when there is a guy just remotely in the area. Now the difference between Dak and those two guys is he's proven it before. Not at like the highest level, like he's Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Drew Brees or anything, but we have two or three years of body of evidence that he can do it against good teams. He doesn't always do it against good teams, but I've seen it. Let's wait and see before we anoint this guy as the next Hall of Fame quarterback, which hell, he might be. I mean, if he keeps doing this against good teams, shit, he might win the MVP this year. But I I can't even pretend to act like we know for sure that Lamar is the dude. Now, he clearly has some dude qualities, as my guy Yogi Roth would say. He's He looks more natural throwing the football, I feel like, this year. And that's, you know, he's a second-year player. He spent all offseason working on it. He's got a high-level NFL coach, despite, you know, Harbaugh's not an offensive genius or anything. But they're going to emphasize the right things in that organization. So he's clearly improved. Let's just pump our brakes. Let the context of him play some good teams. And then we can have some real reactions whether he can play or not. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco-alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. 
and uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Okay, if you and I walked into a bank and attempted to rob the bank, we would be arrested. But if you and I work for a company and then they pay us a lot of money and we don't necessarily do anything, you know, it's not quite the same. But if we have a guaranteed contract, I think you could consider us stealing some money. One brings criminal charges. The other, you would just be judged as a low-level human. Chip Kelly currently, if it was a crime to steal from UCLA, he would be behind bars. Because he is currently, and he's done this for his last two jobs, the 49ers, and then again at UCLA, is stealing money. It is borderline criminal activity. Now, I'm not advocating to put Chip Kelly behind bars, but I am advocating that if I was UCLA, just like when Jed York, after one year, said, this is a joke. I got to pay this guy to get out of here because this is a disaster. Now, I wouldn't call myself Mr. Analytics, but I like numbers. They help paint a picture and tell a story. Since Jeffrey Lurie told Chip Kelly to pack his stuff and get the hell out of his building, I think it was a Tuesday night, uh, week 17 of, when, what year was that? I don't even know what year that was. Week 17, though, several years ago, they were, they were getting ready for a game. He said, get out of here. Chip Kelly has had two jobs. He coached the 49ers for a season and has now been at UCLA for a season and two games. During that span, he's 5-25. and 25. He is one of the biggest frauds going currently. 
once upon a time when he took over Oregon, in Oregon, born and raised here on the West Coast, when I was growing up, and definitely once I got to junior high, high school, and early in college, Mike Bellotti had that program at a pretty high level. They were a consistent top 25 program. And they would have their moments where they were top 12, 10 team. Now, they were never winning a national championship or even necessarily competing for a national championship, but they were a damn good program. They were really good. Now, he hires Chip Kelly in the late 2000s, chips at OC for one year, and then he takes over, and they, he takes it to another level. But they had consistently, and let me repeat, consistently got NFL players. And some would argue they actually produced better NFL players under Bilotti than they did under Chip. But it can't be disputed that Chip took him to a higher level. Now, you could argue that Pete Carroll got out of there, Harbaugh went to the 49ers, and especially the the Pac-12 North was pretty down. But I'm not trying to diminish Chip's accomplishments in Oregon. He was damn good. Though, some of my friends that worked at places like Alabama used to laugh and call Chip Kelly the paper champ. But regardless, I'm not going to make fun of Chip Kelly's resume at Oregon. He goes to Philly. He actually inherits a very, very talented 4-12 team. Remember, it was a perfect storm. Andy gets fired. He inherits guys like Michael Vick, Nick Foles, LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, Brent Selleck, Jason Kelsey, Jason Peters, drafts, you know, uh, Lane Johnson right off the bat. Has a good team. Has a really good team. I think Fletcher Cox already there. And then after a couple years, he eventually got exposed. Because he did one thing that was much different than anyone else, what, 10 plus years ago. The pace of his offense was unique. Well, what usually happens in society, in business, in sports, when something works? People copy it, right? People steal the ideas. Because unlike Taco Tuesday, as LeBron found out, or actually like Taco Tuesday, you can't copyright that. You can't hold something that anyone can use to yourself. Like, you can't copyright a football play. You can't copyright a concept. Anyone can use it. So what did everyone do in the NFL and in college? They copied Chip Kelly. So everyone, especially in 2019, is doing what Chip Kelly once did. So what happens when you have a great pitch, you throw an incredible fastball, and people start hitting your fastball? What would you imagine your pitching coach would tell you? Let's work on a secondary pitch to keep them off balance. So I always thought, well... You know, Chip's this innovative, super smart guy. Let's see if he's got something else up his sleeve. And you know what it turns out? He has nothing else up his sleeve. He could do one thing, and that was operate at super high speed. But like I said, now everyone in the country, pro and college, does it. And here's the problem. Chip has a couple fundamental flaws. One is he's terrible at hiring coaches. He had a good staff at Oregon. You know what he had at Oregon? A lot of inherited coaches that Bilotti had on staff. If you go back and look at the people on his staff during the years of him kicking ass, the majority of them were on Mike Bilotti's staff and he kept. When you look at his staff, when he got to Philadelphia, he didn't know anyone. The Eagles had to help him hire people. When he got fired in Philadelphia and got the 49ers job, it's one of the worst coaching staffs I've ever seen. 
In Phil, when he got the UCLA job, his defensive coordinator, Jerry Azanero, is a laughing stock in terms of when he got hired. Everyone I know that's worked around him said he hired that guy to be his defensive coordinator. And if you're Chip Kelly, your most important hire by a mile is your defensive coordinator because you know nothing about defense. So he hires his, I mean, Jerry Azanero is like his best friend, a defensive line coach that knows nothing about coverages. So that's his defensive line coach. He's, he's a terrible evaluator of coaches. This leads me into personnel. He's even worse at personnel. And the biggest problem in college, unlike the pros, you don't get to pick the players in, uh, in college. You have to recruit them. And you know what Chip Kelly hates? He hates recruiting. I know this for a fact because I know multiple people that have worked for him at UCLA. that are no longer there. They say it's a joke. And his recruiting rankings show. He can't even crack like the top 45. Say one thing for Jim Mora, and I don't think Jim Mora is a very good coach. He actively tried to recruit. He made it a priority. And he consistently had top 20, top 15 classes. He got really good players. Once upon a time, Kenny Clark, who's now the Green Bay Packers star defensive tackle, his dad was in prison. Jim Mora wanted him to come to UCLA. He went to prison and talked to his dad and tried to recruit his dad to get him to say okay. He made a big effort. Say what you want about Clay Helton. I don't know if Clay Helton's a good coach or not. I know he busts his ass and works his ass off to recruit kids. Now, whether he can or not, I you know that's a different story. But he tries. He he really tries. Think about think if I said a really good coach in college doesn't like recruiting. Would you ever say that about Nick Saban, about Dabo Sweeney, about Urban Meyer, about Jim Harbaugh, about Lincoln Riley? These guys take it so seriously. Here's the other thing about Lincoln Riley, who's kind of the modern day Chip Kelly. You know when I knew Lincoln Riley was way different than Chip Kelly? I remember Baker Mayfield's sophomore year and they got down in the red zone. And he put Baker under center. And he put multiple big heavies in there, basically like a fullback. I think he had a fullback. Chip won't use the fullback. Anyone that doesn't use the fullback, I immediately red flag. I think you're, are you just too stubborn? Or are you just incapable of coaching the guy? Chip, can you not put your quarterback under center? Are you incapable of coaching the quarterback center exchange? Do you not understand that? And the most head-scratching thing about this is Casey Wasserman, who's the super rich L.A. guy, super powerful guy, and Troy Aikman, who's been around the NFL forever, obviously, who does the Fox game, so he's around the NFC, were the two guys leading the charge to hire Chip Kelly. I can't comprehend how Troy Aikman, who has done a million Eagle games over the years, and even has done some 49er games over the years, wouldn't reach out to them and be like, what's this guy's deal? And get some intel. It was like he lived in the past in like 2012, 2013. And we're like, we're getting the Oregon version of Chip Kelly. Again, the saying, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're either growing or you're dying. Chip Kelly hasn't changed at all. He refuses to adapt. So the guy that they hired is no different than he was seven years ago, but that's not good enough to win now. And when you hate recruiting at a school that is not really, even though it's a great school and I would love to play football there, it's not a football powerhouse. You do have to make some effort. Jim Moore is a good example of that. Rick Neuheisel is good. At, they did try at recruiting. That doesn't mean you're necessarily going to win. You then have to be able to coach. This guy refuses to try at recruiting. So when I see that he gets his ass kicked by Cincinnati, he loses San Diego State that's never beat UCLA in, in program history. He's playing Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma this week. They're a 23-point underdog. I read today that every UCLA season ticket holder 
has been offered four free tickets for this game. Again, UCLA is hosting a top five team in the country at the Rose Bowl. And do you know what UCLA and the administration knows? They have no chance of filling this thing up halfway. They're giving away four free tickets per season ticket holder. Last game against San Diego State, they had 35,000 people there. This isn't your typical stadium out west. It holds about 95,000 people. Chip Kelly is now losing UCLA a lot of money. Just like a couple years ago with Jed York. The place apathy sent in in the Bay Area. The 49ers are one of the biggest brands in the NFL. No one cared. People couldn't even watch it. It It was embarrassing. Chip Kelly's a disaster. He's currently a fraud. He's stealing money from UCLA. But this is what you get when you live in the rearview mirror instead of looking forward. Because he refuses to change. He hates recruiting. He's not good at evaluating coaches. And this myth of being this guy that was kicking ass in 2012 is exactly what it is now in 2019. It's a myth. It's a thing of the past. And I'll promise you one thing, it's never coming back. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco-alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long long way away with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly 
brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Okay, let's dive into the games. Uh, I just wrote them all down, Sunday's games, and we'll just bang them out. I'll try to spend, you know, just um, less than a minute on each one. Colts at Titans. Colts getting three points. Uh, I, I think this is the ultimate coin flip game. I, I actually like both these two teams. Obviously, Tennessee kicked the crap out of Cleveland in Cleveland. Indy had a really impressive comeback. Uh, you know, the Indies kind of own this matchup, but a lot of that is luck. Uh, I, I think both these two teams are both fringe wild card teams. Uh, Frank Wright has established himself as a really good coach. I'm a big Vrabel guy. I, you know, I, I just probably wouldn't bet this game. I'm not going to. Uh, I, I, this is nothing would shock me in this game. I, I'd probably lean Tennessee because they're at home, but you know, T.Y. Hilton is going to be a problem for them. I, I'm excited to watch this game. It's one of the better morning games. Chargers at Lions. Matt Stafford actually played pretty well. I think that they just kind of ran out of gas, you know, against Arizona. The Chargers had a horrific week. I mean, Hunter Henry's hurt. Mike Williams is hurt. They're just, obviously, Derwin James is hurt. Melvin Gordon's nowhere to be found. They're just losing dudes, like, left and right. Their offensive line stinks. I actually think the Lions bounce back and get this get this win. I actually don't love the Chargers as much as I did a couple weeks ago. I'm I'm not sure they're a lock playoff team, especially the way that game went against the Colts. Colts were just kind of rusty, but once they flipped the switch, I mean, they kind of kicked their butt in the second half. Bills at the Giants. God, the Giants stink. I'm not going to spend, I have no no take on them besides Saquon Barkley's the man and everyone else on their team's awful. I actually think the Bills, now that Sam Darnold has mononucleosis and is likely to probably like miss a month, I think the Bills are not just a lock to finish second in that division. I, I think they're a sneaky wild card team. Uh, I think the Bills destroy the Giants. I think it'll be a pretty apathetic, angry crowd, too, in, in Jersey. I, I think people hate this Giants team. Arizona at Baltimore. Uh, talked about it earlier with the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens should kill them. They're a huge favorite, 13 points. 
at home. I mean, Kyler Murray's going to go on the road in Baltimore and win this game. No chance. I, I would imagine that, unlike the Dolphins game, that not that Harbaugh won't try to run up the score, but if they're up like 20 to nothing in the first half, he'll just run the same play over and over and over and over again. I, I guess because Arizona just came back, he'll be a little more aggressive, but I don't think he really wants to win another game 50 to 10 because you, you just don't want to throw all your plays out there. And I'm not saying karma or anything because this is pro sports. You score as much as possible. But you don't want to show people a lot of plays if you don't have to. So I, I think Baltimore will just try to just smother Arizona. I expect Baltimore to win, if I had to guess, like 27-3. to New England at Miami, I mean, what's to be said? Best team in the league versus the worst team in the league. Breaking news, Minka Fitzpatrick's probably going to get traded. The, the line is enormous. It's the biggest Patriot spread as a road team since 2010. 18.5 points. Uh, I mean, Miami, you're just a joke, and we know the Patriots are good. Dallas at Washington. Here's the thing. The Cowboys kind of kicked the crap out of the Giants because the Giants' defense is so horrendous. They couldn't – I mean, they weren't even close to wide receivers. I think Washington's a little bit better. I mean, actually a lot better than the Giants. Still not a great team. I'm just interested, like, does anyone in Washington even care about the Redskins? Not necessarily they don't like the Redskins, but just hate Dan Snyder – hate the coaching staff, or just tired of everything, you know? It, using that word again, the apathy, like, this sucks. I mean, it has to suck to be a Redskins fan. It, it really does. Just the same thing every year. Like, I, I feel for you guys. I'd expect Dallas to win the game, but if I did bet on it, I'd probably take Redskins plus six, because eventually the Redskins are, maybe not win a game, but play someone close. This game's actually sneaky pretty good. Jacksonville to Houston. I mean, Houston, what a devastating loss Monday night when they, I mean, up with, what, 30 seconds left and to give up that field goal. Gardner Minshew starting at quarterback, who was actually pretty decent when he came in when Nick Foles broke his clavicle. I I would definitely take Jacksonville plus nine. I expect Minshew to be pretty good. I think they're probably going to have to change their game plan a little bit and try to control the clock a little bit more with uh, Leonard Fournette. I, I, you watch, this game will be a little closer. There were some pretty good sound bites of DeAndre Hopkins talking about uh, D, about Jalen Ramsey, how he's the only corner in the league that follows him. So that's that's a pretty fun matchup. Seattle at Pitt. I mean, this is a must win for Pitt. You, you, you can't start 0-2, get your ass kicked by New England, then Seattle, who didn't look that great, come in and beat you. So I, I think it's just simple. Like Pittsburgh has to win this game. If they don't win this game, we're gonna start talking about, especially Baltimore, who's probably a lock to win at Arizona. They'd be two games behind the Ravens, and we're not even halfway through September. That that would be a disaster. I don't like, you know, I'm not trying to be hyperbole and use the word must win, but this is a must win for Pittsburgh. 49ers at Cincy. What's crazy is everyone around where I live are like, ah, oh, the Niners beat Tampa, they're locked to be two and zero. Well, if you watch the Bengals against Seattle. The Bengals kind of kicked Seattle's ass. They were the more physical team. They they were in a position to win the game at the end. Like in the middle of the fourth quarter, they were in the red zone. They had to settle for a field goal, and that was the final score, 21-20. Well, 17-21, if they score, boom, they go up 24-21. They probably win the game. So, I, I to me, there's a coin flip game too. J- Jimmy Garoppolo did not play well last week. I don't have much faith right now in Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I hope the Niners win, but... I was impressed with Zach Taylor. I mean, he was scheming John Ross open. The Bengals, for being a quote-unquote bad team, have some players. I mean, Geno Atkins, 
John Ross, Mixon's hurt right now, but Giovanni Bernard, Andy Dalton is not just some scrub. He's actually decent. So this that's actually a pretty decent, interesting morning game, at least for me. I don't know for you. Minnesota at Green Bay. Whoever wins this game is going to be feeling pretty good. I probably like Minnesota plus three. I'm not sure how Green Bay is. If you listen to the show, you know I'm very uh, hesitant to say anything positive about the head coach, Matt LaFleur. And then you watch Hard Knocks and Gruden goes alpha male on him on the 50-yard line. I don't know, man. I, I just, I'm not seeing it with Green Bay. I think Minnesota's really good. I think Dalvin Cook's humming. I think those two wide receivers are studs. I think their defense is really good. I think Zimmer's just out for blood. I, I, I probably like Minnesota straight up in this game. Kansas City, Oakland. This game's pretty interesting now that Derek Carr looked awesome week one. I mean, if Derek Carr can play well again, we, we might have a shootout with him and, uh, him and Mahomes going back and forth. Now, we got two problems here if you're a Raider fan. One, Jonathan Abram, your first-round pick's out for the season with a labrum. Well, Jonathan Abram would have been the guy. I mean, they drafted him to hit people hard and cover tight ends. Well, who's going to cover Travis Kelsey now? Carl Joseph's five foot six. Travis Kelsey's like 6'3 or 6'4. That's, this is basic basketball. You go up for a rebound. Well, if you're 6'1 and you're going up for a rebound to guy 6'8, the guy 6'8 is probably going to get the rebound. And Colton Miller last year in England when Seattle had Frank Clark, Frank Clark destroyed him. I'm not, I'd have to look at the box score, but I'm pretty sure Frank Clark had three or four sacks. The number was definitely higher than two. And it was just, you thought Derek Carr might get killed. So Colton Miller, who's going to line up with Frank Clark looking right at him, and Frank Clark's better. Now Colton Miller has improved too, but that could be a long game for Oakland. Saints at the Rams. Check out Jared Goff's box score the last two games. Uh, Sunday against Carolina and the Super Bowl. He's not playing well lately. And Todd Gurley, the guy that really made that offense go, is no longer Todd Gurley. He's basically just a rotational back. Like, that's kind of a problem. So, I I like the Rams. Excuse me. I I like the Saints in this game. Because I don't think L.A. has that big of a home field advantage. And at the end of the day, I think the Saints are just pretty damn good. Bears at Denver. Let me pull up some audio for you. It's the best thing I heard all day long. I I, I can't get enough of this. Okay, let me. This is this is Vic Fangio talking about Khalil Mack. The Bears go to Denver this weekend. I didn't know a lot about him, other than I knew he was a good player. Because when he came out in college, out of college, we were drafting very late in the first round in San Francisco at the time. So they said, don't even bother watching him. So I didn't watch him as a collegiate. And with him in Oakland and me in the NFC, I I really didn't see him play a lot. And, um, and then when we got him, and it was just after a few days, it was like, you know, holy shit. <laughs> what a line. And, and I've followed Vic Fangio very closely for the last eight or nine years. He doesn't give praise to anybody. And th- that tells you everything you need to know. I, this is a, I don't think Fangio's team is very good. I mean, at the end of the day, they got a couple good pass rushers and Chris Harris, but their defense, look at the personnel, it's not great. Their offense stinks. This is a big game for Mitch Trubisky. You got to go into Denver and you got to win this game. And Khalil Mack has to play better. I wouldn't say it was invisible you know, last Thursday against Green Bay, but it was not his best game. That defense is really good. I don't see how Denver scores. I like Chicago probably like 17-7 to or something like that. 
So I, I, I like the Bears. The Bears are actually favored on the road. That tells you how much Vegas thinks of uh, of Denver. I mean, Denver might just be a team drafted in the top five or six this year. Well, here's going to be the key. They're going to need to get Drew Locke on the field and get some looks at him. Eagles at Atlanta. One thing, as we know tonight, the, the NFC South, beside the Saints, is not very good. And this Atlanta, who got the crap kicked out of them week one at Minnesota, needs a bounce-back win. Well, if you need a bounce-back win, playing Carson Wentz and the Eagles is not an ideal team. It is Sunday night. It is in Atlanta. But, man, I, I just I think Dan Quinn is one of those coaches that they replaced all three coordinators. I, I gave the stat on this podcast a while back. It was like the first time it's happened in the NFL since 1989. If you're going to replace all three coordinators, it's one thing to lose opening weekend on the road. I get it. But to get thoroughly dominated, I had a buddy in the league that was watching the tape and text me on like Monday or Tuesday this week and said it was the worst run fits he'd ever seen. I mean, Dalvin Cook was running through these holes like it was parted like the Red Sea. Uh, You can never discount a team coming back after a bad loss, playing at home, playing with some pride. Is there a chance the Falcons, and I thought they were good, it just aren't good? I, I kind of like Philly to kick their ass. I mean, just kind of just, just destroy them. And if they do that, the, the Dan Quinn firing uh, hot seat clock is on like Donkey Kong. Okay, let's get into the Middlecoff mailbag. Do it every week. Instagram, at John Middlecoff. DMs wide open. Fire in them. And ask me whatever you want. It's just a bunch of dudes asking me football questions. Hey, John, big fan of you and the podcast. Appreciate it. What are your thoughts on the Purdue Boilermakers quarterback, Elijah Sindelar? He has 932 yards and nine touchdowns combined. Wide receiver Rondale Moore has 344 yards. I think you guys texted me or someone asked about him like a while back, a Heisman contender. Do you think they should be a contender for the Big Ten championship? I would say no. I actually think the Big Ten's pretty good. I mean, Ohio State's clearly loaded. Penn State's pretty damn good. Michigan State has this defense that is just incredible. They're playing Arizona State this weekend in Sparty. They're they're probably going to kick their ass. Wisconsin solid. You know, I know Michigan got off had a terrible game last week against Army, but you know, you might just chalk that up. It's a weird game versus Army. I think Michigan at the end of the day might still be a little flawed, but they're, they're better than Purdue. Uh, you know, if Purdue to me wins eight nine games, that, that's a hell of a season. But to compete for the Big Ten Championship, and again, I'm not pretending to have watched. I haven't watched either Purdue game. I, I just know how good the conference is and watch the conference like the main teams. They're just not as good as them. Now, their coach is highly thought of. You know, he's a, people in the media like him. I think people in the NFL like him. He's well-respected. I, I just don't know if they have the, uh, the, the talent, to be honest with you. So with the whole Jimmy thing, going on what are your thoughts do you think he's just struggling due to lack of full game speed experience experience since the injury I think the biggest problem with Jimmy Garoppolo right now is that he's like a kicker or a golfer it's all in his head because physically he looks right his arm strength is good he's not scared or jittery in the pocket and he doesn't look hesitant when he's transferring his weight on his body I see the ball coming out of his hands and he has no clue where it's going well, if you watched him when he first got to the 49ers or when he played for the Patriots, he was really accurate. You know, I'm not calling him Steve Young or Drew Brees, but he was an accurate quarterback. Right now, in that game against Tampa Bay, when Jimmy released the ball, he had no clue where it was going the majority of time, beside like one pass. 
the balls were going behind guys, above guys. It looked like kind of like Cam Newton. So I, I think he's really just pressing. I think Kyle Shanahan, who, you know, for being a younger guy, like a lot of the coaches, the younger coaches in the NFL, like McVay and Nagy, are probably the two younger coaches, at least that are successful. We'll see about LaFleur and some of these other guys. They are not assholes. Like, they're, they're just pretty nice guys. I think Kyle can be pretty hard to play for. I don't think. I know. You know, I, I know some people that know some people. I know. He's tough. And I think it's not, and obviously Jimmy's coming from New England. He's not afraid of tough coaching. But I think when you when you screw up Kyle's offense, he kind of comes down on you with, like, some fury. You know, like, if you have a mom or dad who, like, has high standards and you kind of disappoint them and they kind of come at you when you're young, that's how I kind of feel like with Kyle. He just happens to be a young guy, too. But I think he's on Jimmy's ass right now. And it's, and it's creating Jimmy to press. That's why they spent this week in Ohio. They're about to p- play the Bengals. I hope like on Monday or Tuesday night, just those two just went out and grabbed a couple beers and like could talk it out or something. Because I, I think they have a weird, they're in a weird p- part of their relationship. Like something's just off. And I think part of it is I, I think Kyle is second guessing Jimmy. And I think Jimmy knows that. And is like trying extra hard to impress him. And it's just not working at all. Which is crazy to say. I mean, if you've listened to me for a while, you know I I, I think highly of Jimmy Garoppolo. But man, I they got some issues right now. Okay, with the advent of analytics, why are all interceptions still counted the same? Shouldn't there be a way for people to distinguish between a poor decision made by a quarterback and when an incredible play, the defense happens. For example, a receiver bobbles the ball and a corner snags it off the turf. Do scouts keep this in mind when scouting players? I think PFF does a good job of this now, and I think teams look at it. Interceptable balls thrown by quarterbacks. Uh, picks that shouldn't be their fault. So yeah, I, I, th- I think more and more now. And when you evaluate a quarterback, either as a college prospect or to sign him in the NFL, you chart their throws. So you have a good idea of how accurate a guy is and how inaccurate a guy is. Like if you're if you're just drafting a guy in college, you're not just going off like his box score. Well, coach, you know, he's 75% completion percentage, but he threw like 50 would have been picks. You you know that. So I I definitely think that uh it's being accounted for. You had one more question. Why haven't more special teams units taken as many delay of games possible to give a punter a chance for a coffin corner punt? If you're going to punt while at the opposing 45, why not go back 5 or 10 and avoid the touchback? I think a lot of times the, the, the punter is just confident that he can pin them. So he just tells the coach, and maybe they practice it like in practice. They just feel confident kicking it right at the ball's being snapped at the 45, and well, he's 15 yards behind him, so he's catching it at his own 50, 45, 40. He just feels confident they can get it. Now, I think a lot of times... It's like, you know, if any of you guys golf, you know when you tee off and people are watching you, or even when you go from the range to the course, your adrenaline kind of takes over. So it's one thing to be in practice when you're kind of in a relaxed environment. I think it's another thing to be in the game when you're kind of, when you're kind of feeling the pressure and your, the, your heart rate's up. I, I think that plays a big part of it. Do you believe the Eagles mishandled Jordan Howard contribution against the Redskins? He did average 7.3, and the eye test tells me he deserves more carries. I think they tried to force the ball to Sproles earlier in the game, which I get they love Sproles, but 
at this point in time, I, I'm with you. I, I would give the ball more to Jordan Howard, and I would expect to see him a lot more Sunday night against the Falcons, especially with how much Dalvin Cook and that offense just destroyed them. Just started listening to the pod. Enjoy the show. Appreciate it. Enjoy, uh, Lions fan, obviously frustrated after Sunday. The NFC North is tough. Do you think they have a chance at winning the wild card? Uh... Well, Stafford, like I said, Stafford did play a lot better, and I do think they'll win this week. But if they're going to win a wild card, under no circumstances can they start 0-1-1. You know, when your two games were against the Cardinals, who are probably one of the worst teams in the league, and then getting the Chargers, who have a bunch of injuries at home. Like, you got to win one of those games. you got to be 1-0-1 to have a chance. So if they lose this weekend of the Chargers, I'll say kiss the wild card goodbye. How come teams don't take the starter out earlier in the game, like when the Cowboys were up big against the Giants in the fourth quarter? I hate to see some big superstar get hurt in a blowout in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, look at the Pats game. Did Brady come out of that game? I mean, I stopped paying attention with like five or six minutes left against the Steelers, but the reality is in the NFL, and my, my partner, Guy Haberman, does college games on my other podcast, and he was texting me, like he has the Colorado Air Force game, and he does... You know these a lot of the a lot of the games during the month of September in the Pac-12. He does like games like you know Arizona State against Sac State, and he's like, you just preparing for a college game. You have like a hundred players on both sides, especially in these blowout games that could play. He he texted me during the Steelers game and the Pats game. He's like, God, Al Michaels and Collinsworth have to love this. Starters never come out of the game. The Patriots were up almost thirty points, and Brady's throwing to Edelman. And the reality is, is you only have 46 guys up on game day. So, like, you you can't really tell your starting left tackle just to no, not play because you may just have one backup tackle, and he might already be in the game if, like, your right tackle had gone down. You may only have two backup offensive linemen. You only dress five wide receivers on game day. You only got a couple running backs and a lot of quarterbacks because during the week, it's not really real football because they can't tackle you. They don't want to come out of the game. So I, I just think that's the nature of the sport. It's not like the NBA where, you know, in a blowout, you can just put in your second five. Think about your backups in football. Your backups are like you have a third wide receiver or a fourth wide receiver. You have two tight ends. You have a couple backup cornerbacks. And the reality is they all play when you go to nickel and dime. So you don't, like, your backups still play with the other starters. You do have backups with D-line, but you basically just rotate them, two separate units. So it's 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 not like a pitcher where you just like yank the pitcher and bring in the reliever. There aren't really that many relievers in football, which I think throws a lot of us off because we're like, why don't they pull, why don't they pull all the starters for who? As Ricky Waters said, for who? For what? As a lifelong Lions fan, shoot me. What can possibly do with this team? Is it the players or the coaches? I think Patricia is an absolute mess and has no clue. I'll just say this about Patricia. He looks awful. I mean, he's got the crutch. He He's short and super big and fat. He just looks unhealthy. Looks like he's about to have a heart attack. You know, I, I know everyone says he was a rocket scientist, but man, I, I don't see some brilliant mind. He clearly knows nothing about offense. I, I'm not seeing it. I... I'm just I'm just not seeing it. I, I think the Lions are just they need some new ownership. You know, they just need to they just need to hit the reset button on the franchise. I've been a fan of the Cowboys since the eighties. 
This last week was great week for us. You think New York secondary is just bad, or you think the addition of Cobb and having Cooper for an offseason really just make Dak look a lot better on offense? Realistically, how far do you think they can make it with a healthy team in December? I think it's a combination of both. I think the Giants secondary, just the Giants defense in general, is awful. But I do think the Cowboys, who this unit has been together, Zeke, the offensive line, even Witten now is back. We saw last year Amari with them, has been really good against really good teams. Like, we've seen it. So, they beat the crap out of a bad team, but we've seen those same guys beat good teams. We've seen Randall Cobb play in enormous games, and Randall Cobb looked awesome. Like I said on the last podcast, the biggest curveball with the Cowboys is they have an innovative mind. I watched Kellen Moore's press conference today. He's 31 years old. But like he said, he's been he's been drawing up plays since he was in high school. I mean, he kind of admitted that. And he was not trying to be like, you know, big ego, talk himself up. They just were peppering him with questions. Because Demarcus Lawrence said when he got to Boise State, he had heard stories about how Kellen Moore had been drawing plays since he was nine years old. And Kellen Moore's like, yeah, it's kind of BS. But I have been drawing plays for a long time because I never thought I was going to play long. Turns out he did play longer than most people thought because he played in the NFL for a couple years. And it wasn't because of talent. It was because of his brains. And I took a step back and I thought to myself, the best player in the history of Boise State, which is arguably the the best non-Power 5 program in the history of college football. I mean, they are a powerhouse still. They're awesome. He's the best player in the history of the program. And he's now the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. And he looks like, I mean, he's the next Sean McVay. To me, the question is, is Kellen Moore the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? To me, that's the question. So overall, to answer your question, sorry to kind of run around here, I think if they can stay healthy, they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender because Kellen Moore and the talent they have on offense is going to translate. Do you think Freddie Kitchen should turn over the play calling to Munkin? He spent all game seeming like he was just winging it with play calls. Is there cause for concern for Baker Mayfield? You know... Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think that he would if he was three or four games in and it was a disaster. But then that would be a problem. Like, why did you hire Freddie Kitchens if he's not going to be the play caller? Because you hired Freddie Kitchens because he was some offensive mind. He's not like Mr. Rally the Troops leader guy. That's why. Why did you even hire Freddie Kitchens? But I th- the one thing I noticed with Baker in the second half is he was just late on some throws. Now, it kind of snowballed once Derrick Henry scored on the on the screen pass after they had just scored a touchdown, which actually was a nice drive in the second half. Baker led him right down the field, uh, had a nice touchdown pass to the tight end. I, I just thought he was late on passes and balls were airmailing. But also Tennessee, they knew they had to pass. They were playing some soft zone coverages. He's had a bad game. I mean, he didn't. Have, he had a terrible game. It happens. You know, he's young. He hasn't even played 16 career games in his career. I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. But that has to be, I don't know, one of the worst games of his career. Appreciate everyone listening. Enjoy the weekend. And, uh, God, football's the best, man. Not Thursday night football is not the best. But Thursday night football, it's kind of like pizza, where even if you get bad pizza, it's still pizza, so it's not that terrible. Now, you'd rather have really good pizza. would be like Patriots Chiefs or something. But you can give me, you know, Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm not going to complain. I mean, even though I might complain, like the game sucks, but I'm still going to watch it. So at least we got football back in our life, and I'm really excited for week two and excited to watch Chip Kelly get his butt kicked. Adios, Godspeed, see ya.
It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.